Listen, beginning in the book of Luke. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall Find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Precious words. The Christmas story that I read is truly a sweet and gentle account of the birth of a baby. 
that was born to parents of very humble means in that small town of Bethlehem, Israel, some 2,000 years ago. And if left to stand on its own, as it so often is done, that story remains only a sweet, gentle story and not much more. But folks, we must not, you and I must not, we dare not leave this story that I've read to us to remain just as a sweet, gentle story about a baby. It's so much more, so much, much more. Within this story that I've read to us this morning is the answer to the deepest needs of all of humankind. And that answer is captured for us within the few words of the angel Gabriel as he spoke to Joseph about this little baby that would be born to Mary. Listen to these words again. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Those last words, for he will save his people from their sins. Without question, folks, those words are the most profoundly important words that mankind, that you and I, will ever hear. And why would that be so? It's because as you and I and all the other people around the world relax in the comfort of wherever we are, wherever they are right at this moment, and even as most of the people across the world go about all the activities and the festivities of this Christian season, shopping, buying presents, and spending time with family gatherings, there's a silent reality that's also present all around us. And it's a reality that if our ears could only hear, if we'll have ears to hear it, it cries out mournfully to us. It's that incomprehensible reality that sin has taken our world captive, captive to its ways, captive to its ideas, captive to its philosophies, and so captive and so entangled within its web of darkness that most all of the people on this earth are right at this moment, listen, are right at this moment unknowingly perishing. They're perishing for an eternity. And sadly, they don't even know that it's taking place. They don't even know that it's taking place. And that's one of the reasons why the verse John 3.16 has become so frequently spoken. It's part of that cry that's going out into the world as souls are daily perishing. Listen to those words again. And notice this very important word within this verse, the word perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, some people, most likely a lot of people, might think us to be prideful or hypocritical for saying such things about them, that they're perishing, thinking that in our saying those words that we're standing in judgment of them. But those who would say such things don't understand the simple truth that's given to us here in these scriptures. The simple truth, folks, is that those who have received Christ as their Savior are saved 
from that perishing. Not the good people. Not just being good people. That does not save you. It's those who have received Christ as their Savior that are saved from that perishing. And those who have not received Him are not saved. And they will surely perish. How many times have you heard someone say, but I'm a good person. Or they'll say about their loved one, they were such a good person. That is not what saves a person from their sins. The plain and simple truth is given to us clearly in 1 John 5. Listen to these words. Clear words. 1 John 5 verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Can those words be any more plain and simple for us to understand? He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, such simple, simple words. But listen, there are literally billions of people on this earth who do not hear and do not comprehend those words. Billions of people who walk through their daily lives slowly perishing, but have no idea that it's taking place. They have no idea that they're perishing. Now, some might ask, but how can they not know? Why can they not see it? It's because their condition is carefully hidden from them by the one who blinds the eyes of the world, the evil one, Satan, and his demonic followers. These scriptures tell us that the eyes of the unbelieving world are veiled from the one thing that can save them from their perishing, and that is the gospel of Christ. Listen to these words. These are words from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen. Our gospel is veiled, we're told. Our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, the devil, is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to come out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You might recall that we studied at length in a recent message that our world, by its very nature, truly does live in darkness. It's a very special kind of darkness. A darkness that reaches deep into men and women's souls and captivates them with its nature and with its ways. Some of those words are given to us in John chapter 3. And these are given just a few verses past that precious verse, John three sixteen. This is verse 19. Listen to these words. Jesus talks to us about this light. He says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Why are so many pews empty these days? People do not want to come into the light because the light will reveal their true nature. Listen again. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light 
lest their works would be exposed. Folks, this world is truly a dark place. But because each of us is born into that darkness, that darkness seems so natural to us. Its reality is the only reality that we know. So we accept its conditions, its ways, its behaviors, its habits, almost without question. And we'll make excuses for it. How much more helpless can we be? We're born into a world of total darkness. We're born blind into that world of total darkness. And having no way within our own strength, our own abilities, our intellect, to find our way through it. It's no wonder that so many people are perishing. They don't even realize that they're walking in a special kind of darkness and that their eyes are veiled from the truth. But folks, thanks be to God. He is loving, merciful, and gracious towards us. And He knows our condition and our weakness. And He does not desire that any of us should perish. So in His great mercy and love, God has sent us His Son, the Lord Jesus, to be born among us, to live, and then to die, that we might have life. So many people are angry at God these days because they believe that God is so harsh. Why does He make rules that keep me from doing the things that I want to do in this life? To have the pleasures that I want, especially the pleasure of doing the things that I shouldn't do. He's unfair. And he would be unfair to send me to hell simply because I wanted to do those things. But folks, I want to emphasize, God has mercy and love for us because he knows our weaknesses. And because of that, he has sent his son to us. That's what this season is all about. He has sent his son to us to be born among us, to live and then to die, that we might have life. To reach into the dark and dying world as he's done. And to open the eyes of the blind. To shine a great light so that the perishing might be able to see. The prophet Isaiah spoke about this light that was going to come to us over 700 years before the Lord Jesus was born. There he said, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And so those people are having the light of Christ shine upon them whether they want it or not. And he is revealing truth to them. In John chapter 8, he tells us exactly who that light is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's why it can be said that he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. In the great love, mercy, and grace of God, he knew that each of us, you and me, we were born into this world, poor, wretched, naked, and blind. And he knew that on our own that we were powerless to save ourselves. And so he, as we read at the beginning of this message, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Folks, that is why this time of the year is so important. That's why this time of the year has been set apart in this way. A time to remember. A time to remind ourselves of God's great mercy towards us. And the Christmas message, the Christmas message is truly a simple one. 
It begins with words like these in Matthew chapter 1 that I read for us, where the angel Gabriel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Those simple words, they are the full and the complete answer for us as we navigate our way through this dark and dying and perishing world. Simple words. Mary will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Folks, the birth of the Lord Jesus truly did take place for this very reason that the angel Gabriel promised, to save us from our sins. That really is what Christmas is all about. The question for you and me today is, has that work that Jesus came to do been fully accomplished within each of our souls personally? And it has to be personally because there is no other way that it can be done. Contrary to what so many in the world would believe, his salvation is not just some general act of atonement that covers everyone. His salvation is very personal. It's very individual and intimate within each of our souls. And as your pastor, I'm compelled by the Spirit to ask you to personally examine your souls, especially as we share communion in a few moments. And to ask the question, have I truly been saved from my sins? And yes, we really can know that for sure. So many people wonder They don't seem to know that they can know for sure. But 1 John 5.13 tells us this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know for sure. And thanks be to God, Jesus has done all that it takes to accomplish our salvation. So what the angel said to Joseph when he said, Mary will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And folks, again, these simple words. And I want to emphasize that it is not our personal goodness that will save our souls. These words are simple and they are true. He tells us this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's a big question in the Christian community. Is there more than one way to get to heaven? Unfortunately, many very prominent preachers out there today will say, yes, there's more than one way. But let me say to you, on the authority of the word that I'm reading to you now, there is only one way. Listen, and this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray.